Welcome back to the Turn Real Podcast. I am your host, Ethan, and with me, as always, is Kevin. How's it going? Well, uh, today we thought we would do one of our updates just to kind of talk about what's going on in the different areas and um, go from there, different harvests, different diseases, what's, what's kind of cooking. So, uh, Kevin, you want to start or shall I yeah. start with? No, no, okay. uh, we can start. Yeah, we thought we would just do a kind of a... I guess it's kind of a pre-harvest update because in my part of the world and most of the state, there's a lot of higher moisture corn going out in the western part of the state, a lot of dry land going out. Um, haven't really got into any um, of the better corn, I guess. Um, I was actually traveling through through uh, like Montezuma and through there where they had a bunch of hail and rain and the combines were so black it looked like a fire was coming out of the back end of it. Yeah, I saw uh, one of those guys posted something on Facebook, and that looks that looks like what a cotton picker looks like after a hurricane. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, and I guess we'll just jump right in. You know, we, we've talked about all the weather we've had with wind, blowing sand, and um, then we yeah. have – So how much of that is just dirt that's on the uh, – like no, corn. it's it's not dirt. I think a lot of it is uh, the infection. When we had, what was it? You had a late run of southern rust, didn't you? We did. There's a lot of southern rust, but because there's a lot of common smut, there's diplodia, um, you know, because some of the kernels are just disintegrating. You know, it's got fungus and we've got ear molds. Well, diplodia uh, is a bacteria, right? Oh, you're gonna test me. I think so. I don't know. We have to. I'd have to double check. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say wrong. We will either confirm or deny. But I have. I heard it, that it's a mold. It's a mold that grows on the outside that looks more or less white because the other two um, have a color to them. And um, anyway, it gets into the kernel too, and basically destroys the kernel to where it just like when I snap an ear open to check for growth stage, it's just like, eh. <laughs> it's like everywhere. Where did it go? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I think that, um, we're going to, we're going to struggle maybe in some areas with grain quality, I think. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It, it's funny because you, you sit there and you snap ears open and you look at it, but then when you look at it as the, as it's being augered into a semi, it's completely different. You know, there's, there's, 10 or 15 times the volume so you, you yeah. don't know so I, I did a quick google check diploidia ear rot is a fungus i was confused by uh down on the the coastal bin area of texas they had some some hippoid bacteria oh. that that is where my confusion i didn't know if y'all were having having some of the same stuff so no so I, we'll see we'll see where we're at um the the weird thing about this year is we had a cold snap early when the corn was coming out of the ground or maybe five leaf and then we had one again a few weeks ago and what is a cold snap for you let's just let's just set the stage there so uh the first one we had hurricane force winds and we were down about um i'm trying to remember it's been forever we were at least 40 degrees Cold enough that I was wearing uh, coveralls. <laughs> that, that's the, when you are checking crops and coveralls yeah. and it's not wheat. Yeah. 
and then you got a problem. And then a week ago, we were down to forty or forty-five degrees with thirty-mile-an-hour winds for about two or three days. And you choose to live there voluntarily. Yeah, and it was misty and rainy, so like you, you couldn't move your hands. You know, go type field reports on my on my phone. It's like, ee, ee. <laughs> you know, just fighting, fighting the the, the the type. But so that that's that's gonna play a factor. You know, um, I keep telling people, and the trees are turning about a month early in Ulysses too. So it's just one of those years where well, you're gonna stay cold then. I don't know. Don't know. So Kevin, trees don't lie. You I know. Listen, you li- you listen to trees. You listen to ants. <laughs> when ants start packing food down the ant hill for the winter time, it means something. Yeah. The yeah. corn plants about mid dent. We started noticing they've started shutting down. Got to a quarter milk line. Husks were already turning. Plants were turning, and so. Uh, we've got anywhere we have any kind of spider mite stress, moisture stress, they're topped out and completely brown. So it's just going to be, I don't know, definitely a year that you don't want to let it get too dry because it may fall over. And we've already got some lodging because of all the rain and shallow root system. So yeah. um, definitely chalk it, put a check mark next to 2020, right? Yeah, what what else can this I'm not gonna even finish that sentence. I'm not gonna do it. No, I apologize for getting that far into it. So, you know, we'll we'll just see. Um see where we end up. Uh it's tough to tell. There there's spots of the field looks good, other spots look, you know, okay. Um we'll just see where we land. But it, it appears like it's gonna be challenging. Um we have a lot of wheat planted about close to probably 10 to 15 days or earlier than we normally do. Now, are you going to have hessian fly issues? I don't think so because of the cold snap. I, I, Cause they, they started planting and then it got, we got that cooler weather and I just don't, I don't think so, but I don't know. Um, but the nice thing is we have really good emergence, you know, last year at this time we couldn't get it up. Um, so, so we, we've got a lot of wheat in the ground in, in my part of the world and, you know, har- uh, silage is kind of finishing up. Wet har- wet corn harvest is kind of mid-swing. So that's kind of probably have more of an update and more of a feel for for yields and stuff here in two to three weeks. Gotcha. So, you think you'll have too many issues for to have a real strong yield year? I think there's going to be good corn. There's going to be good, yeah. There's going to be good corn. Um, obviously out West in our part of the world, we share water, jockey water back and forth. And, um, this was definitely a year not to do that. (laughs) That is exactly the way I would say about our cotton down here. Well, and what do you do when we've had seven, some inches for the year? Yeah. We've essentially had two saving rains, one at the 4th of July and this last one with this cold snap. So. And that um, one almost sounds like it may almost have been too late to do. Yeah. And, and the other, the other challenge is we've got mile of its turn and we've got mile of its bloom and some of the, the later mile. It, and it's scattered, but it may not even make it because we're already, we're 
you know, barely 85, and then it slips back down into the 50s, which is nice, but not good growing weather. So yeah, it may uh, must may not get the heat units to finish out. Yeah, I don't sound very positive about the outlook, do I? I mean, no, I think you, this is a case of the 2020s. It, it, is, just, it has exactly. worn us down. Yeah, you know, then that's. It's it's tough to sit there and you just want to throw it all away and let's start fresh. Yeah, exactly. Have you guys uh, been been that tough um, in uh, your part of the world as well? well? We've gotten between seven and twelve inches of rain, depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. This ain't much, especially well, with cotton. We're trying to swing for the fences and and really make high cotton yields. You know, four to five bales. We I've had one field that made four and a half. And if you make four this year, that's really good. I mean, which, I mean, to be fair, that's always really good cotton, but we've just been able to really make push those yields that it's almost expected now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, But the, where we've gotten into not not necessarily issues, but where if you had a pivot breakdown, if you had a well breakdown, and you got behind by water five, eight days, it affected your yield on cotton. Yeah. You know, just that, that was enough to affect your yield difference. Um, and if you were sharing water, so, you know, your cotton is a couple months, two months in the season when you're starting to plant peanuts. So in our peanut area, um, when you had to, you water peanuts up and then for 45 days, you really don't water them. And, once that 45 days broke, you're talking that's July. Yeah. So, and now your cotton is filling bowls and it is using water. It is burning through water and you start sharing wells with peanuts. You hurt yourself. Did you uh, get any of the hurricane moisture? Um, Not, we, we've got some of the moisture and I think that kind of allowed some stuff to build up. Yeah. But, not anything, not directly, not like bands of the storm or anything like that. It changed our weather pattern a little bit, but then uh, now we're getting, of course, during harvest, you know, we're starting to pick cotton, you're starting to get scattered showers here and there. But we always make the joke that when we need a rain, you just go buy a jug of cotton to fold in, pour it in the ditch. <laughs> right. It's like bait for a rain cloud, you know? Right. Um, but no, I guess answer that question. We did, if we got some, it was secondary of, changing the weather pattern well and i guess i would retract my statement because you get to highway 83 where it goes to garden city and clear down to south texas that was the line and then they got a lot of rain there in the east you know um so the, so there it's been we were just in a bad spot and then i keep hearing that there's a what did they call that storm that nasty storm where they had a hundred mile an hour winds up in um like illinois and oh it was like the land hurricane yeah and i've i, I hear it's terrible anybody that has traveled up in that part of the world that um or seen videos where people are disking corn that you know that is hood high it's like just sickening yeah. just i don't know sickening. i don't know what you know what's and I, I mean i don't know not to change the subject too much but it doesn't seem like the the crop report is really reflecting what you're seeing online with how much is damaged. So I don't know if the area was that big that got affected. 
Well, uh, I've had a farmer and a few friends drive through the Nebraska part of the world, and um, they say it's 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 normal there. You know what I mean? Like they've they've had enough rain and moisture and planted a lot of corn that it looks really good. So yeah. they're like you said, there's probably areas that um, that that they're thinking that may compensate some. So I I don't know. It's <laughs> it's always a struggle because you think oh man our area matters right <laughs> your area does not yeah no no one area matters the only the only crop that i think well there's two areas that i know matter but they matter for a specific crop mm -hmm. and that's west texas with cotton yep because they have it's not very quality it's not very they don't have really high yields but there's so many acres of it yeah that a lot of your cotton products, you know, Q-tips and weird little medical things and stuff like that, Band-Aids, a lot of that gets supplied with that kind of cotton. And then Georgia and peanuts. Yeah. You know, crops that when you go to corn, there's, you know, they grow corn in Florida and South Texas and the Rio Grande Valley and Colorado. You know, it's everywhere. Usually corn can get backfilled by another market. Yeah. And now, you know, we're almost shooting ourselves in the foot by having really high yielding crops because when there is a disaster, the yields are so high where sometimes it's not affected. It doesn't affect the market, you know, yep. which, you know, you don't want a disaster anywhere. You want every, everybody, we need high yields. You know, in a perfect world, everyone make good yields and have a good price, and, but you don't but wish any ill on somebody. But in the, in the realm of farming, if if you're a farmer and I'm a farmer and we're in two different parts of the world, in order for me to to, to prosper, you have to do poorly or, that, yes. or vice we, versa. There's yeah. no there's no like winning somebody doesn't always win all the time. No, we've gotten too good at making yields, you know, that we habitually flood the market. Yeah. You know, and then the price is terrible. And then that trickles down to all kinds of fun conversations yeah and then there goes the rat hole you know then then you just yeah. trail off and yeah now, now this is a, a 2020 question i guess and i probably should know the answer to this but are most of the ethanol plants back up in burning burn i believe corn? so okay. I, I believe uh i have a, a another friend that, that farms in central kansas and he says that um it's actually the the basis or what the ethanol plant is is paying is good good um so um but in my part of the world there's we have a few ethanol plants but some of them get run off the of sorghum complete sorghum so it's it's different and I don't, I don't know if they do that because um there's so much corn that goes into all of our feed yards that i don't know if there's a, a balance or a reason that they do one or the other i'm not for sure it would be interesting to know if maybe some of the feed yards there was like some kind of meeting or some kind of partnership, like, Hey, stay away from our corn. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Step sure. back, buddy. <laughs> you know, because when it's uh, cheap when it's cheap, they want, they want to buy. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it re reflects in our price of beef too. Yeah. Like consumer beef, not. The yeah, and, and, and a lot of our, our, uh, most of our corn is food grade. And, yeah. uh, so there's a few feedlots around, but it is not Southwest Kansas. And you, from a feedlot standpoint, and what's killing our corn market is that you know um, 
it sounds so it's like I'm really boasting about Texas, but in Texas, when you go someplace, typically you get chips and salsa when you walk there. Well, restaurants have been closed down and tortilla chips have not been going off the shelves quite like they should be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and when a lot of your uh, corn is getting made into tortillas and tortilla chips and, you know, Fritos and different stuff like that, you know, um, it's going to slow that market down. Another 2020 box checked. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, we, we need, I'm ready for the world to be, what is normal? Do we even know what normal is anymore? I don't think you know? we need to talk about that right now. <laughs> so <laughs> who would have thought we would have wished for 2019? Yeah. But um, back to South Texas. And yes. You're, you're, uh, what do you got going on down there right now? Uh, so we're in the middle of a cotton harvest. We're uh, so we we pick cotton here every now and then. You'll see some stuff get stripped, but it's picker cotton. Um, we're right in the thick of that. Um, that you know, corn. Um, there's a little bit of fall corn, but usually that fall corn is to backfill the food grade market if they're running short on that to get to the next crop. You know, if they're um, and they are not running out of corn to make uh, food out of. So there's really not any fall corn with that. Um, did we, did we discuss your yields when we did the podcast on the, the late summer update or whatever we call um, it? I don't recall, but we had, we had a fair corn year. I mean, it was average to slightly above average. Good, good. So 2019 corn wise was excellent weather for us. We were abnormally cool. We had a little bit of moisture and come out of 2018, we had all the subsoil moisture we could yeah. possibly want. Yeah. So 2019 was a very good, very strong corn year and 2020 is back to normal. So it was um, abnormally high for you in 19. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, we're, we typically shoot for about 200 to 220. Then you had guys making 250. Yeah. So, you know, right, yeah yeah so that was really good, good uh, and that's, that's also going to reflect in the fall corn you know there's going to be less fall corn if there's you know the coffers are full for um for food grade stuff um uh, so what else is going on here um you, in your vegetable market you're seeing i guess so much of our stuff is tied to human consumption you're seeing yeah. with 2020 i mean you are seeing effects of acres you know um the the pickle market is a wreck the cucumber really? yes it's huh. they just haven't so i mean think of all the, the the fast food places where you get two or three pickles on your hamburger or your chicken sandwich yeah. you know like but people are still eating out you know to some extent i know we're eating in but i mean they're still yeah. eating out so huh yeah well i mean take this like the dairy market you know when a when a dairy a dairy product place is set up to make, um, you know, large quantities, large packages of, of milk or or a 50 pound bag of cheese. They're not set up to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that when a restaurant's not buying, you know, a 50 pound sack of shredded cheese, they don't really have a, their market kind of goes away or, when schools are closed down and you're not buying a pint carton of milk and you're not set up to put it in gallon jugs, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think what's affecting the pickle market is that is very similar. It's how the, the manufacturers, you know, they're not, 
Um, they're not making, you know, like you go to a ballpark and get the big, the full pickle, you know, they're not, you're not buying. Uh, you start thinking about that. You, you said schools and ballparks and, you know, that's huge. Well, ballparks are majorly affecting the peanut market right now. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can switch to that a little bit. Um, so there's multiple, there's runner peanuts, there's Spanish peanuts and Virginia peanuts and bunch peanuts. Um, typically down here, we're, we're, we grow runners and those runner peanuts are going to be made into peanut oil, um, some type of processed material. They're not, okay. uh, we have very red sandy soil. And uh, so Virginia's are typically the big ballpark type peanut. Um, and they, our soil will stain them. Oh, okay. So we have grown Virginia's in the past. I had some last year. They do really well here. It's, you know, it, you kind of get in that vegetable mindset of, I don't need just a quality product. I need a pretty product. Yeah. It's got to be aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And when they're stained red, you know, like that looks yeah. gross, you know, like, why yeah. would I, you know, I don't want to eat that. So, Historically, we haven't had a lot, but the Virginia peanut market right now, without, you know, if you watch, if you're, you know, in 2020, if you're going to go watch the baseball game on the living room, you're probably not going to go get you a sack of peanuts and throw them all over your <laughs> living room floor. Like, it just doesn't happen, you know? Right. But, you're, you know, you're, if I go to Minute Maid Park and I start throwing peanuts over the next three rows, you know, like I do it every time. I make a mess yeah. and I enjoy myself. You yeah. Know? Um, so, yeah, multiply that by, what, 30 ballparks? Mm -hmm. You know, so that that's huge. And all the minor leagues and college baseball, you know. So the Virginia Peanuts are have been majorly affected by 2020. Um, and so Spanish Peanuts are, like, what they put in candy. So, like, the they're a smaller peanut. Uh, yeah. like, what, like, what's in an M&M or okay. Mr. Good Bar? Like, those yeah. are Spanish Peanuts. So. Okay. Like our, our runner peanuts are high oleic peanuts and they, if you were to, to roast them or cook them at home or something, they would taste fine, but they're not going to taste quite the same as you would be expecting if you go to the grocery store Interesting. and get this. Yeah. Yeah. So, gotcha. um, so I feel like we're just harping on how bad 2020 is, but there's so much trickle down effects. Well, it's, you know, that it's really, a, it's, it's affecting the, the it's everywhere. American grower. Yeah. It's you everywhere. can't get away from it. Yeah. You sure can't. You know, um, I think cotton consumption has actually been increased, oddly enough, by um, the pandemic. I've heard some folks say that. I don't, and I don't know, understand. I don't know if it's more medical, um, you know, bandages and gauze and that kind of stuff. I don't know what it is, but I have, I've heard a few. It's cotton swabs. They go up the nose. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It, 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 the whole pandemic was employed by the American cotton grower to have cotton swabs shoved in your brain. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. There's a conspiracy theory for someone to grab and, you know, blast you have, us across the internet. Do you have anything else? Like, what, what uh, you know, what other vegetables do you have coming to a close down in your part of the world? Uh, so fall green beans were have been planted in the last ten days. Those are oh, all wow. fresh. Yeah, those are all fresh market beans. Okay. Um, fall pickles are just getting going. Yeah. Um, you had getting, a farm market, right? Uh, so the Thanksgiving market is kind of the end of it. So do you, so you do have some. There's a Thanksgiving. Or, yeah, there's, okay. Yeah, 
Okay. So t typically sweet corn, the spikes for sweet corn are um, Memorial Day. That's yeah. our holiday in May, right? Yeah, 4th of July. 4th of July and Thanksgiving. Okay. And then green beans, typically, there is a spike, a huge spike for Thanksgiving, um, a slight one for Christmas, New Year's, um, and in the spring. It's not. It's kind of a soft spike in the spring. Got to have your green bean casserole. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. The green bean casserole is, uh, without that, Thanksgiving is. That's what we should do. We should do an episode on the differences between Thanksgiving and how different ag products are associated between South Texas and the great white north where you live. Yeah, that would be interesting, you know. To It'd see be what, comical. It'd be comical. We may have to do that. Yeah, you know, just to see what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of traditions from years ago, because that was was locally farmed, has affected and stuck around, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess I don't what know. else is been, going on? It's been a challenging year. It hasn't been really enjoyable. It's been challenging. Um, I'm hoping, hoping that things turn out better than both of us are talking. You know what I mean? Like we're kind of down, um, but I think everybody is. And so we'll just see once the dust settles where, where we stand, you know? And I think that's the, the major, major thing is, um, I, I mean, this, this sounds maybe like I'm, wishing something into fruition, but I think there have been some habits formed within the pandemic that, you know, whether it's eating habits or uh, cooking at home, maybe more fresh market stuff um, that there's some habits from how people buy that I think will um, stick and possibly be beneficial to the ag community. Um, it's just going to be different. You know, yeah. You know, we're gonna you're have to gonna, evolve. We're gonna have to change. Yeah, you you're gonna things, yeah. you're gonna see more direct home stuff. I think. Yeah, I've noticed just from either podcast advertisements or stuff online. There's a lot of like premium beef that's coming directly from the ranch. Well, you know, that, the that, and that's good for the the cow producer because now you have a market that's not just you know the the packing house. You know, you can. Yeah, there, there's people are going to independently find which is more work for the the producer but maybe they can get make a little more money well it's a niche market it's another way that the, you yeah. can market your your beef but i, I think these niches are going to be like those that are established now those habits aren't going to go away you know yeah. and the stuff like uh hello fresh and blue apron the i notice how many advertisements that i see on you know like where they they mail you uh, like all the, the yeah. ingredients and then you cook your whatever at home and it has the seasonings and stuff. I didn't see those advertisements online all the time and I don't know how that's going to affect the ag market, but it's not, if that increases, I don't know how that's going to change. Yeah. Well, going back to what we're talking about earlier though, you think like what we do matters, but we're just a pinpoint on a map, you know, in a sense that, it's a global economy, world economy. So it, 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 it's just, you can't really detect or predict what's going to happen all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have no idea what the cotton crop looks like in Brazil. And, you, yeah. and the thing too, 
that you have to tell yourself and your, your customers is you can't worry about that. For sure. You know, if you can't control whether Brazil has a bumper crop in cotton and now your cotton's worthless. I mean, you know, I mean, you budget well, for it, you make a plant that, and you produce. They fight that every year. Should I plant yeah. wheat? Should I plant corn? Should I plant beans, sweet corn? You know, and, and they're always trying, we're always trying to outguess the market so that we have that niche or we have that, that, uh, profit. Exactly. So, yes, sir. So well, is there any more updates locally, globally? We should go over here. No, no, because I think if we do that, we'll go get political and then that's going down in the third rat hole of this. Place. Oh yeah. We, we can talk about how the pandemic has affected agriculture. We start getting into politics. All eight listeners that we, uh, yeah. we uh, have will leave us. Yeah. Four will leave because they don't agree with our political senses. And the other four will leave because, hey, this is our one non-political show. Now it's yeah. political. You know, we'll lose them all. But um, no, I think that that probably wraps up. It's just like we said, sum it up for the third time. It's been a tough year. We've done what we can. Let's just wrap it up and and um, continue on. You know what I mean? Continue on. Uh, yeah. I, I think as you as you, you're like a you grower, said, we got to do what we do best, and that's, exactly. It is. We got to grow corn. We've got to grow cotton, and just keep trudging forward. Yeah. What as you go through the winter, whether you're a producer, a consumer, a consultant, a seed salesman, you, you stick to what you know best. Stick to the science of farming. Take the emotion out. Take your soil samples, look at your fertility, make sound agronomic decisions with the, your budget in mind and go with it. Yep. That's all you can control. And yep. outside of that, you can't drive yourself crazy. Yep. So with that, Kevin, do we have some socials to tell the people? Not your social security number. That would be bad. <laughs> social media accounts. Let me rephrase that. If you've got any comments questions or we would like to do uh, a listener driven topic uh, you can reach out to us at media at cropquest.com uh, you can find us on facebook and twitter at cropquest inc um, i think that's it so that'll work well kevin thanks again for joining today and yep, we'll see everybody. you all next time Our business is knowing the business of growing. We take pride in your success, being better than the rest. Crop West.